Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. A time for Tell Me Why uh, with Graham Finlay. Today's question is, what is a false flag operation? Graham, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Uh, now, I suppose it's a phrase you hear a lot and it's kind of multi-adaptable almost. If you don't like people on your own side who having done something, you can say, ah, that's a false flag operation. In fact, if there's something which happens which makes you look bad or people you identify with look bad or your fellow political allies especially look bad, People, some people, not everybody, but people who are prone to conspiratorial thinking, and that's mm. a certain attitude towards the information you take in and, and you know, a certain relationship between that and your political beliefs, you will be inclined to describe something as a false flag operation, which is some case in which the instigators of the operation disguise themselves, they disguise their identity so that their opponents usually are blamed. And then they can, you know, take over. Mm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that usually is the end of all of it, right? You know, it's going to take over or mm. control ourselves. And, and it's really, I mean, you do hear it a lot and you hear it a lot more because it, it's one of those conspiracy theory terms. Uh, well, it started with it as a sort of military term, but it's, uh, it, be- it became a conspiracy theory term, which has now gone frighteningly mainstream, particularly maybe on social media, mm. which is not in case you're wondering, reality, but uh, but is, is substituting for reality so much these days. So, I mean, false flag operations originally were, you know, disguising your identity by waving the enemy's flag. You know? Yeah, and, makes sense. Uh, and the very first early ones are actually already in the context of culture wars in the 16th and 17th century. Huh. So the first references in the Oxford English Dictionary are to people who say so-and-so is using religion as a false flag, but he doesn't really... Um, care about religion. He just hates King Henry, who's you know confiscating the monasteries at the time. Mm. Um, and uh, you know these were these were genuine wars. I mean, being a Catholic under Henry VIII and, and and Elizabeth was seen as being a traitor, as an enemy combatant, basically. And the people were treated as such. Um, and similarly, the next references in the 17th century were someone again in a religious war, you know, religious battle context is is compared to a pirate. And this is because pirates, so flags, you know, I think the initial reference was to a flag on the battlefield, but the, because um, remember, regiments have flags, right, for just so people mm. can identify them. Um, similarly, you know, ships have flags, and if you want to get really close to someone so they don't sail away and escape from you, and so you can bombard them, the best way to do it is to run up a non-hostile flag uh, and, uh, and not your own flag. Yeah, and bizarre, you know, so you can get close enough, and then, and this is very important, you roll, you run up uh, your, you know, your actual flag. If you're a privateer, if you're a British privateer preying on the the Spanish or the Dutch or whatever, right? They're all preying on each other. It was mm-hmm. a major industry, privateering. Um, or you, if you're a really decorous sort of pirate, you run up the pirate flag. You hoist the Jolly Roger, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's because this is allowed. In, is as under ah. maritime law, and indeed under it's more or less allowed into the 20th century under the laws of land war as well. There's it's sort of ambiguous. People are like ah, go on, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's only allowed if when you attack, you put up the proper flag or um, or put on the right insignia. So mm. it's it's okay to sneak around wearing the enemy's uniforms, right? But if you're going to start shooting at people. Somehow you have to change, I think, or something like that. Right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> As opposed to uh, never revealing uh, yeah. your true identity. Then so, you'll be treated very yeah. harshly. Okay. So that's uh, that's the roots of the phrase, and you can see the, the, the complete logic in that. 
How, are, are there any documentary cases of actual false flag operations where, you know, up to a, somebody thought Group X were doing something and then afterwards it was revealed it wasn't them at all? There are quite a few, actually. Um, so, I mean, things got so confusing in the 18th century. Everybody was doing it at sea. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, there's so many people were doing People were attacking, you know, their own people. They were attacking people. You know, privateers were, you know, boarding and shooting at privateers from the same town, in this case, New York. So it got very, very confusing. There was one case in which a German ship had been disguised to look like uh, a, an English ship. This was in World War One, I, I think. Um, and the English ship it was disguised as attacked it, <laughs> right? Uh, huh. uh, you, know, you know, under the impression that you know, I think they saw it through their disguise. It got very, very confusing at hmm. sea, basically. Um, and uh, <laughs> and so there are lots of lots of operations where people dutifully sort of threw off the insignia, ha ha, hmm. you know, when when on land when they were engaging in certain kinds of operations. But maybe the most the ones which you know, foment conspiracy theories are the ones which were engaged in by great, and it should be sort of access, access powers um, at, before World War II. So there's the Mukden incident, incident where Japan, Japanese agents blew up uh, a railroad in, in Manchuria as a pretext to take over. And in fact, if you look at pictures of the explosion, it didn't even actually slow the railroad down. You could still use it. I mean, they've got them standing around and there's like a <laughs> tiny little ding in the railroad tracks. But no, Japan used it as an excuse to invade Manchuria and impose an absolutely brutal uh, client state um, and, and, and sort of um, territorial government of its own. Um, similarly, Germany used uh, the Gleiwitz incident in 1939 which was an attack. I mean, this is this just this is horrible, actually. Um, you know, using prisoners from the Dachau concentration camp uh, and and sort of a German uh, Polish sympathetic German, they put them in in German uniforms. Um, they and then shot them basically, uh, and and then German commandos damaged a radio station. Right, I know this is close to your heart. Mm. Right, as a pretext to um, and blamed it on the poles. Uh, so they put them in Polish uniforms. Sorry, uh, and then so they looked like the poles had attacked this radio station. And as we know, those are sacred. So that was the pretext for invading Poland. Um, so wow. And similarly, okay. um, the USSR had its agents bomb the NKVD agents bomb the uh, Russian village of uh, Manila uh, and then blamed it on the Finns and so they invaded Finland. So ser I mean these are the these are the kinds of things which have led to very serious consequences, actual justifications for wars. Right. And of course they fuel the idea that every such every incident we can think of which um you know looks bad for our side must have been perpetrated by those other people. Now, democratic governments do it too, especially during the Cold War. Yeah. Now, uh, a phrase you often hear connected to this is crisis actors. What's a crisis actor? Yeah, well, I, you know, I have to say I teach humanitarian action um, during the day sometimes, and I did not know this. But, you know, to make training for humanitarian actors, you know, firefighters, um, you know, medics, all sorts of people... Mm. Um, they employ not just random people, but actual trained actors to portray people who are victims of some kind of crisis. Yeah. So, so that it's as good a training, it's as close to reality as possible. Uh, and this, I mean, clearly the people behind Infowars say, uh, you know, knew about this, this aspect of humanitarian action better than I did because they then started deploying it by saying that everybody, including, again, in this is just too horrible to contemplate, in mass shootings like Sandy Hook and, and, yeah. and Parkland High yeah. School in the United States. Um, and we are talking about the United States, but that's where the conspiracy theories come from, let's be honest, right? Um, and, you know, um, as, as all of them and their, their children as crisis actors, they're just actors playing a role 
so that people can take away our guns. And it was this notion of everybody, you know, of crisis actors being everywhere. Clearly, they're getting more work than than, than regular actors. Actors, um, you know, um, is there a crisis really actors for, union? Yeah, I mean, exactly. uh, how do you hire them? You want to be paid those scale, yeah. that scale, you know. Um, so, you know, the, the the idea that they're sort of everywhere and that there's nothing, there's no reality, like nothing ever happens, right? Except for things which are being planned by a shadowy cabal, has really kind of spread, you know, and mm. um, and so. The poor crisis actors are being blamed for an awful lot. Happily, I'm really glad to say that the people like InfoWars who have been spreading this kind of thing have been sued by the parents of things like Sandy Hook. And I get, unfortunately, frequent occasions in the summer to drive by Sandy Hook in Connecticut, and I can't drive by it without just sort of feelings of horror. But at least they're suing people like Alex Jones and InfoWars and and are going to hopefully take everything in for everything he's got because i mean he has you know he, so that you can't just go around corrupting our very notion of of what is going on and of what really is horrific events in people's lives just with for the plaything of the of social media yeah but even if you know even if they uh, uh, took uh, him for all the snake oil he has and that's quite a bit uh, <laughs> i think literally snake oil, snake oil is what he sells uh, um uh, the, I suppose the, the the idea of it and the, the way that that can be uh, attached to any particular action is kind of out of the box now. That's, I suppose that's a particularly egregious example of that. But I suppose another one was what happened on January the 6th. Now, that was a false flag operation. None of those people were Trump supporters or uh, anything of the like. They were all trained CIA operatives. Or so says yeah. <laughs> Tucker Carlson. And again, you know, we only should, I mean, not that Tucker Carlson needs me to, to promote him. Uh, he's the most popular uh, host on cable television in the United States. But yes, he's, I mean, one reason we're talking about this is he's going to run a, a series of shows all week, which I have declined to watch. Also, Fox Nation, where they're airing, is, doesn't, isn't available in, in our jurisdiction. Mm. Uh, I'm so sorry to hear. Yeah. But um, saying basically that um, January 6th insurrection on the Capitol or the, the attack on the Capitol was a false flag operation. And, uh, you know, the, it seems to be on the basis that there's talk about unindicted co-conspirators in the indictments of some actual identified conspirators, all of whom are Donald Trump supporters. And one particular website, um, and you know how reliable they are, made the leap that these were FBI agents who were actually conspiring again to, to to start and maybe incite and if you incite it you're an agent provocateur mm. which isn't just lingerie but is also something the also the fbi engages in but uh so the idea is that these unindicted co-conspirators the reason they're unindicted is because they're the fbi and uh whereas in fact the fbi and and the justice department in its indictments never refers to its own agents as unindicted co-conspirators because they're by definition not conspiring they're trying to stop the conspirers and uh the it turns out the unindicted co-conspirator is probably people known to the person one guy's indicted unindicted co-conspirator was in his this is according to the indictment mm. in his motel with him lives with him on a farm in rural somewhere right and and it's his wife right they just haven't charged her yet and that's yes. what an unindicted co-conspirator is but yeah i mean this false flag accusation has gone mainstream and has, you know, immediate appeal to to all sorts of people who who stand to benefit from it. Mm. Uh, And so you get a sort of double false flag. We we have this um, and various people have studied these things, um, studied conspiratorial thinking, studied conspiracy politics. But we all have 
sort of cheater detectors, these people argue, which um, identify people who stand to benefit from something bad happening, right? And we do have a greater tendency to to suspect that they had a hand in it if something really bad happens and, and they benefit from it, right? And, and so people are prone to t- detecting cheaters in, in people they don't like and, and so forth. But you could even get a sort of reverse false flag, right? Why is Tucker Carlson pushing the false flag theory of January 6th? Well, he stands to benefit from people taking the scrutiny away from himself and his allies, including his allies in Congress. Well, also Tucker Carlson has been named as a, as a possible candidate himself in years to come. So, yeah, I mean, people, there's lots of talk about Tucker Carlson. You know, he's probably going to start at president, yeah, because that's how Tucker Carlson rolls. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, it's uh, you know, once one sort of uh, reality television star gets into the White House, it's just going to be reality television stars from here on out. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, so the, the, this this accusation is really easy to bandy about. It's a minority of us who tend to believe in false flags, which is comforting. And again, you'd think from Twitter and I presume Facebook and now Meta that everybody thinks this way. But in fact, vast majority of people, when they, you ask them about conspiracy theories, haven't heard of them, which I take some comfort from. But what's interesting is well, in I mean, that, maybe they have, but they think they're actual facts. No, I mean, because like they'll ask them about the QAnon conspiracy theory yeah. and they just don't know anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the people who I mean, it's a genuinely a minority who subscribe to stuff like QAnon. But, you know, they they just they happily they haven't heard about this and they live an innocent life. You know, so but it turns out that Democrats and Republicans, for example, tend to believe in false flag explanation of, of events um, at in roughly equal numbers. Mm. Um, so, so I'm not going to be quite as smug as as I was a few minutes ago. But at, you know, you can imagine, and you can sort of see how this works, right? Like I see, say, if I'm a Democrat, hypothetically, right, um, some kind of nefarious corporate purpose in every kind of of sort of revelation that you know, um, lithium batteries are involved, you know, for electric cars involve informal mining in the Congo, which they do, right? Uh, you know, uh, so so I'm a, if I'm a Democrat, I'll say, oh, the corporations are putting that out so they can block the electric car, right? Whereas the right wing is going to put up but for the false flag operations like Sandy Hook and, and Parkland. So, yeah. yeah. Let me uh, read out a few uh, texts to you. Evan says, can your guest address the actual and literally admitted false flag that happened last week in the Virginia gubernatorial race? That was a hard one to say. Instead of throwing out the usual cliches about conspiracy theories. Yes, I can. So um, it was a bad week for the Democrats and generally in the Virginia gubernatorial race. They're voting today. And um, some people who seem to be Democrats and also from the Lincoln Project who are disaffected Republicans um, showed up transparently looking like Egypt's uh, in the costumes reminiscent of the Tiki Torch Mark in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, back when that happened, which mm. were actual anti-semi-racists, yeah. right? Um, as if those people supported the Republican uh, challenger to, to, to Terry McAuliffe, the governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, those people in Charlottesville probably did, but those were Democrats portraying a hoax. And the Democratic campaign, rather foolishly, in my view, tried to treat it as real until it was preposterous, you know, yeah. to, to, to continue the, the hoax. Uh, I mean, as, as conspiracies go, it was no January 6th. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's pathetic. And, uh, and, and they shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Uh, no mention of Vietnam, Gulf War, weapons of mass destruction. Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, what I think is really important here 
is that we acknowledge that there are a lot of conspiracies in the world, right? Um, including the conspiracy to send, you know, the UK and the United States to war mm. on a false pretext. You see, but, but, but again, but that's very interesting in the, given that he, he died not long ago, uh, uh, you know, uh, going into the, uh, uh, I forget his name. Colin now. Powell. Colin Powell, yes. But, but that seemed to be far more nuanced in the, in the sense of it wasn't like, three people sat down and said, right, we're going to manufacture stuff. It was almost like the CIA was expected to provide a certain analysis of information and so did what it was expected of us, even though it could have been interpreted in a completely different way. And that is the problem. So the CIA became extremely corrupted under the sort of drive to war. I mean, if you want, you can blame the Iraq war for just about everything. And and I might in a future time I talk to you. But I mean, so the CIA definitely delivered the war. Uh, that the president and his administration requested. And it doctored the dossier. Now, the CIA, as you learn from the book Legacy of Ashes, isn't particularly good at this stuff. No, it's a not, lot no. of conspiracies, yeah. but they're a bit rubbish, to be honest. Mm. And the reason we know that, and, and, and so the, you know, the one from the UK, they actually literally plagiarized it from someone's like master's thesis or something mm. like that, <laughs> but from the older Gulf War. Anyway, the reason we know that is we engage in research, not, you know, the, hey, well, hey, you know, underlying research, but you engage in research, you accumulate evidence from reliable sources, and you expose that, first, there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and this is the process that put it together. And if we just start allowing any kind of evidence and, and start accusing everything of being a conspiracy, then we're going to really lose um, our ability to track and detect actual conspiracies. And that yes. seems to yeah. me like a bad thing. Yeah. Graham, uh, thanks a million as ever. Graham Finley, there you are listening to The Moncrief Show on Ustar. We're going to take a break. After that, transitioning gender at 68. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.